as a brand, you might think you have a really good handle on who your audience is and the people who have interacted with your content before. But if you're expanding into, let's say, a platform like Pinterest, all of a sudden, yes, it is a similar audience as to who's interacted with your brand before, but it's a much more niche group of that audience. So because of that, that's why you have to think of that creative so differently. So Pinterest is a great example because you kind of have to get tricky with it. It has to just look like a pin. It has to be something someone would save anyway. Um, and you don't, I think with the new platforms, TikTok, Pinterest, Snapchat, you don't want them to feel like ads. You want them to feel organic, comfortable. You want people to be enthralled by it. And uh, yeah, to your point, it's just, it's all about the creative. It's so important. Welcome to Wave Social Podcast, powered by Arcade Studios. My name's Mike. I'm here with my co-host, Mitzi, and we've curated a show for digital marketers, advertisers, and modern entrepreneurs who want to stop chasing the tide and start making waves online. Each episode, we'll sit down with the tastemakers and strategic minds behind some of the most engaged communities and up-and-coming brands. We'll pull back the curtain on their strategies and experiences to uncover the methodology behind their seismic impact. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Wave Social Podcast. Today on the show, we have the paid poppies of Arcade Studios. That is Saya Sinanen and Benjamin Velasquez. <laughs> they are the two people behind all of our client ad campaigns. They're both very knowledgeable when it comes to advertising. So that's what we're talking about in today's episode. That's what it do today. <laughs> So maybe we should first talk about where did this nickname come from, the paid poppies? That's true. I actually, I was trying to think about it before we started recording. I feel like one day during a happy hour, we had a little bit of wine and we were giving each other nicknames, a few departments nicknames. So I think that's where it came from. Yeah, we had like the social sisters and the paid poppies. I don't yeah. know if there was anything else. I don't but. know, some like copywriting cat or something. Oh, that's, we're, we're get, <laughs> it gets weirder. Let's all, just leave it at paid poppies. Yeah, all the other nicknames were lame, but yeah. that's the one that stuck because they're two cool guys. I'm just glad show. I didn't get one. What's fun about this interview too is that we get to be in person in the studio. So we haven't gotten to do that in a long time. That's true. What did we talk about? We talked about so many things. Well, mostly about advertising. And just a precursor to this interview, we do talk about advertising from the perspective of D2C brands and conversion campaigns. So if that's not something that you're interested in or want to learn more of, this might not be the ad episode for you. But for most of our brands or most of our clients, that's what we do for them. So talk about all things digital advertising. Uh, We talked about Facebook ads. We asked the hard-hitting questions about iOS 14, how to spend your ad dollars, what's a healthy ad budget, what platforms give the best returns, and how to use other platforms together. Lots of gold. gold. Yeah, there was a lot of gold in there. And as always, we try to make it a little bit fun, a little bit inspirational, but always practical. Yeah, and stay tuned to the end of the episode because we do, for the first time ever on the show, a little game. Wow, what a milestone. <laughs> yeah, so other than that, before we really get into the interview, we have one more merch product that we wanted to highlight. Last week, we talked about candles. The week before that, we talked about the water bottle. This week, the only one that's left is the socks. And I do have to admit, even though we came up with this merch, I haven't even tried the socks on yet. So all I have to go on is that they look pretty cool. I will say that I wear them every single night. She wears them every (laughs) single night for five minutes and then they end up at the bottom of the bed. I knew that was coming. I had a feeling. (laughs) So we might have started with 100 pairs. I'm sure 13 of them are at the bottom of my bed right now. Get real. It is not that bad. I take them off. <laughs> I take them off and I put them on the side and then I put them away. <laughs> Anyways, no one needs to hear that. They are very comfortable. They say heat waves on the side because we felt like it was a summer vibe. Yeah, it says heat waves in red, which isn't even a brand color. Imagine that. We had a huge discussion about whether we should use red. Anyways, long story short, the red, it's really cool. It's a vibe. There's also a heat wave sticker that comes with the little pack for the water bottle so you can rock it on your water bottle or your socks yeah and that's the last merch product so we might not even talk about it next week <laughs> head to wavesocialpodcast.com slash merch get your pair of socks before they're in the bottom of my bed we're gonna get into a review and then into the episode so this review is from blake two three seven four seven five five the title is lovely 
insightful and fascinating to listen to. Great variety of guests with relevant and practical info. Thanks so much, Blake. What a guy, Blake. Your last name is spelt funny, but... Speaking of practical, let's get into the interview. Three, two, one, let's go. All right, we're back with another episode of Wave Social Podcast. This is going to be good. We couldn't think of anyone better for today's topic, which is all about digital advertising, paid media, all that good stuff. We got the paid poppies from Arcade Studios, Josiah Sinanen and Benjamin Velasquez. Hey, everyone. Hey, poppies be fun. in the house. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's not often that we get to have the full group in the studio we're, we do a lot of remote interviews these days but we're sitting across these guys they're, they're looking good they're looking ready so to kick things off josiah can you just introduce yourself to our audience tell the people what you currently do and how you got into it yeah so my name is josiah Sinanen. i have been at arcade for almost three years now and i am the digital lead at the company and it's been awesome um mainly what that means is i'm running all of the paid social for our clients so advertising on google facebook instagram all sorts of other platforms. And I got into it because Mitzi was having a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Yeah, I. we have a funny story about how you actually got your job. So maybe we'll go there. Like, how did you get the your job at Arcade? Yeah, so initially I had worked for Waves, the company, not Waves, the podcast, um, with Mitzi when she first moved to Calgary. And so I was helping out with some of her social clients. And then fast forward a year and a half, and wait you left me yes i was trying to blaze over that <laughs> you I left did, me for another job which I is did okay leave. it was a mistake it <laughs> but it all came full circle and yeah so basically i think that you had had a job posting for an ads manager in preparation for taking your mat leave and that person had dropped out on you guys last minute. And so, yeah, so you asked me if I could step in and be willing to train and learn. And I was super, super excited to do that. And yeah, I think it's kind of cool because one thing that stuck out to me that you said last year, Mitzi, is not everyone is like natural at marketing. And it's kind of something cool you guys have brought out of me. And I realized that I do have, you know, a knack for it. And it's been really fun. So yeah, coming on three years and made a lot of money in that time. So that's <laughs> that's true. That's yeah. what we like. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like you didn't have any prior experience running ad campaigns. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that you lead our digital ad department now at Arcade, which includes many, many clients of different sizes and various ad budgets is an amazing testament to how you've picked it up and had you do have that like natural instinct of understanding it, which is really rare. What is it that excites you about advertising? Because I'm assuming like f to come into a job like this where you didn't have prior experience, there's got to be some level of like intrigue, but also quickly passion, you know, so that you can push through and actually learn what you need to learn and get through that, that first kind of hump of mastering that kind of talent. Yeah, for sure. That's a great question. I think the cool thing about advertising and even just digital marketing in general is that every single business, every single entity has its own tone, has its own spirit, has its own personality. And I'm extroverted by nature and I love, I'm curious by nature. So I think it's been really cool because we will have such, we've had such a range of clients that I've gotten to run ads for. And it's been really cool to find those audiences that will resonate with that brand, but also learn the tone of that brand. And it's just kind of this playful space. And uh, it's really cool because you kind of get to learn so much more about all these industries by doing one job, whereas a lot of people just are in their industry and that's it. So ads allows you to really expand and learn more about the world and the people around you and what's going on. And you have to keep your finger on the pulse. And I'm all about that. So that's kind of where I fell in love with ads actually is learning how uh, diverse and expansive it can be. Love that. So I know you do many things. A big focus of your job is ads, but could you break down like what does a day in the life of Josiah Sinanen look like? Yeah. yeah, it is different every single day, which is another thing that's great about this job. But typically, I will do a rundown of every single ad account, every single client, make sure everything's running properly, pick up on any trends that might be trending downward and see what we can do to fix that. If things are going well, um, taking note of what data made it go well, it's all about learning and kind of checking back in on what you've 
uh, launched. And beyond that, it's a lot of client-facing activity. So phone calls, emails, um, reporting. It's, yeah, you never know what's going to happen, but it's super fun. It's very involved with the client and myself. And then there's a lot of back-end work um, that's sometimes hard to explain to people, but it's a good time. And we're going to try to do that today. Yes. yes. Cool. All right, Ben, your turn. Benjamin. Okay, what are you currently doing at Arcade? How did you get into that? Maybe I'll start with how I got into working with Arcade. First of all, it's a blessing. I work with incredible people and I love my team and I love what I do. But I haven't been in marketing super long. I think we're coming up to uh, almost four years now. But for me, uh, digital marketing started as an opportunity that I didn't know I was already passionate about. I, I'm from Panama. I, I'm not from, from Calgary, but my family moved here in 2011. And in 2015, I actually did a volunteer mission in Colombia. It was a two year thing. And I realized I had a passion for communication and people. And that's, I think, where it, where it all stemmed from. And when I came back, I, I felt like I needed to continue trying to be a catalyst, I guess, for, for change, positive change in people's lives. And I tried to connect to other passions that I had, like sports and athleticism. So I actually went into athletic therapy and physio MRU, Mount Royal University. And I realized after an internship with LifeMark that I didn't like that I didn't like being hands-on with people I didn't like touching like other <laughs> bodies like every single yeah, day gross. <laughs> and and a lot of it felt like just not not a lot of depth in terms of like the communication with the people and your and your patients it was a lot of small talk so I was like you know what I want out I want out and I want to explore something else and the funny thing is that we're, we're talking about ads today but I got into digital marketing because of an ad I, I don't know if you guys have you guys ever heard of Ty Lopez? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit a little bit annoying and obnoxious sometimes, but a, a thought leader, a business kind of thought leader. He's a lot on like educating yourself, reading up on on innovation and business to to grow passion for yeah, innovation and, and, and entrepreneurship. And I saw an ad that a Ty Lopez ad that included getting into social media management. And how it was in demand and it was an important uh, role for small businesses and how, you know, it was something that wasn't necessarily being taught directly at universities, schools. And it was something that a lot of people could get into and, and even a lot of people were intuitively good at without knowing it. So I gave it a shot. I actually did a certification at Mount Royal University and from there just threw myself into the pool of marketing and started offering services as a freelancer so that's so coming i guess full circle now i work in uh, digital advertising and have fun with with all the clients and all the work that we do at, at arcade yeah can you tell the listeners how you got the job at arcade i feel like we get asked all the time like how do you start working at an agency and things like that and lots of people have different stories but i think your story is pretty cool yeah i actually was I was freelancing, uh, like I mentioned before, and I also was working part-time and going to school full-time. So things were a little bit busy, but when, I feel like this phrase is used so much, when COVID hit, yeah. um, <laughs> when, the, when the pandemic started, then I got laid off from uh, my part-time job. I had a dry cleaning so, uh, location, a dry cleaning place. And I was like, well... I don't have control over that, but I have control over how much freelancing I do. So I turned up the, the volume there and I thought, well, I have to work on my personal brand and, um, I, I should work probably on my, on my Instagram because I had kind of saved a handle to work on my website. And I started just putting out content and putting out my thoughts. I wasn't a hundred percent sure what I was doing or what would come from it, but I just wanted to make sure that my name was out there and that I was available. And I, I think, I don't, I don't know a hundred percent your guys' side of the story, but I got a DM from, um, somebody in a partner agency 
and they said, "Hey, I see like you're you're doing digital mar- digital marketing. How serious are you about this?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm pretty serious. I like it, and I'm spending a lot of time um, in it. I've been doing it for a couple of years." He said, "Okay, because we have a we have a partner agency that's been you know uh, gaining clients left and right, and their hands are getting kind of full. If you're serious about this, I'd love to introduce you and get you on an email thread." And I was like, "Okay." So we got on an email thread with a man named Mike, a woman named Mitzi, <laughs> and I know spoiler alert, it's us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's I guess where where it all started. So getting found, or recognized, I guess, being noticed. So marketing is in there as well. Yeah, and here we are now. Mm-hmm. So what does a day in the life look like for you? Well, I try to start my day with a little bit of calmness. <laughs> nice. Um, I pray. So I like to start with prayer, get up and listen to some music. But then the craziness starts, <laughs> it begins on Slack and Facebook Business Manager and on Monday.com. Shout out to all of those guys. But yeah, the, the, the busyness begins. And actually, a lot of my conversations are with Josiah. And we we basically are just trying to make sure that we're on top of um, everything that we've been um, that we've planned in terms of strategy for ads and um, a little bit of also of community management. My role is kind of a hybrid, I guess, a combination of community management and digital advertising. So there is a lot of strategy involved and connecting also with the social lead at Arcade. So I have a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun. It's busy. It's different every single day, like Josiah mentioned. And yeah, it's, it's exciting work. I feel very, very privileged. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Okay, now the fun stuff. Let's address the elephant in the room, Facebook. We all know that iOS 14 update has a huge impact on the effectiveness of Facebook ad campaigns, a platform that was previously pretty dependable when it comes to ad returns. So let's start. Uh, Josiah, can you explain to our audience what exactly happened with the introduction of iOS 14? And what you saw in terms of impact once it was widely adopted. Yeah, so this is every advertiser's nightmare in some senses. Um, But it's pretty interesting. So Apple basically with their latest iOS update in response to some criticism over their security concerns introduced this feature that is now built into all of their apps, specifically apps that collect data um, for for advertisers. So you may have noticed on your phone, if you updated it, you'll get a pop-up in every single app and it says, ask app not to track. So that is the iOS 14 impact. And that includes Facebook. So when this happened, um, what that means for advertisers is if people are opting out when they're saying, don't track me when they're on the Facebook app, all of a sudden, all of these audiences that we spent all this time building you get removed from those lists and we can't advertise to you in the same way that we were able to. So it did have a big impact at the beginning. Um, Basically, the immediate effect we saw was we started to see our audience size start to decrease. So since then, there has been some workarounds, but um, essentially people have had to build up their list from scratch or pivot really quickly and try to figure out other ways to get advertising on Facebook and Instagram to the people that you want to get to. So Yes, it was a really, it was kind of out of left field. I think a lot of people weren't expecting it. And previously, Facebook was extremely dependable. I would say it was the top performing platform. So since then, we've kind of had to mix and match and figure out different strategies and also figure out strategies within the Facebook platform to make sure that we're keeping the audiences we've built. Yeah, it was all hands on deck for that one. And Ben, what did you do to combat any negative impact on ads? Yeah, yeah, it's it's important to 
I think brainstorming a little bit and trying to think, okay, what can we present to clients or what can we, what kind of conversation can we have with clients who are a little bit scared, just like maybe we were for a bit too. And we, we even had clients that were asking us, I think you mentioned almost every day for some kind of update or some kind of response. So we did a lot, a lot of research first, just to kind of educate ourselves on what that was going to look like for us and for our clients. And then from there, I think the first step was mainly educating the client because you know, when, when people write articles about or wrote articles and still write articles about iOS 14 update, it sounds gloomy and dark and scary. Like, oh, advertisers are scrambling, <laughs> which was which we were, which we were. <laughs> right. But but that didn't mean that there wasn't an action plan or there wasn't a, a proper response. So um, a lot of what we did is, sounds a little more technical, Um but it, it was kind of on the back end of these advertising platforms. For example, we had to make sure that all our clients um, were ver- their domains were verified through the business manager on Facebook, so that you know they had the authority to um, decide what conversion events they were going to set as priorities um, when they did launch ads. And we had to make sure to propose um, tools on Facebook like the automatic advanced matching um, tool or the conversions API. So there's a lot of things that maybe some of our listeners won't understand right away. But if you are a brand, I would take note of of those tools. Make sure that your domains are verified. Take a look at your events, what events or conversion events you're tracking through your ads. And yeah, edit any type of messaging or language on your copy or on your graphics to to match those those conversions mm-hmm. that call to action yeah those are some good points uh, Josiah you mentioned one thing that I want to just touch on quickly you mentioned uh, it kind of forced brands and advertisers to like I don't think you said diversify but I'm going to say diversify to different channels in addition to Facebook and Instagram not necessarily abandoning this platform but starting to look at other ways that you can draw a more complete picture from a data perspective but also reach people in different ways. Can you talk about some of those alternative platforms that you find should be part of the conversation right now? Yeah, I think primarily the first thing that comes to mind is Google um, acting as a replacement for the audience that we lost. And it's been actually pretty surprising for me because it would be negligible results with Google, especially in the e-commerce field, client to clients. Um, For some clients, it would be amazing. We'd see huge returns. And on other clients, it took a little bit of an, it was a bit more of an uphill battle. But since the iOS 14 updates, I have noticed that when we put some of that budget into Google, a lot of purchases are coming through that channel now. So I think Google knows that um, this has been a big impact to advertisers and they've improved a lot of their strategy. And so it's actually been great to launch campaigns on that platform now a lot easier than before. They have a lot more features than they used to. There's a lot of things that they're beta testing right now that are pretty exciting. So I think it's a really well-developed platform. There's also, they have a great algorithm and obviously Google is a huge data mine. So it's been really exciting to shift a lot um, towards Google. That being said, I think Facebook and Instagram, we can get into this a little bit later, but there are there have been ways now to work around some of the iOS 14 limitations, and we've been discovering those and kind of winning back what the performance that we used to have on those platforms. So they're definitely still relevant and giving results. And then beyond that, there's some really exciting new ones that I think brands have a great opportunity to jump on right now. TikTok advertising, Pinterest is huge. You can get actually up to three times return on Pinterest. We've seen it happen in a short amount of time. And even something like Snapchat, which I think a lot of people don't consider, but it's actually an effective advertising platform. There's still people using it. And it's a unique way to present your ads and your business that feels a little more personal and less ad-y, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, it's been a fun journey to explore those other platforms as well. So getting back to the impact of iOS 14 on Facebook and Instagram, can you talk a a little bit more? This is a question for either of you. Can you talk a little bit more as to where exactly we lost line of sight or data? Like what were some of the the most obvious points of impact, even in the funnel, for example, once those changes went into effect? 
Yeah. So primarily, I think the top funnel would be your most affected place. So that is when you are trying to find brand new people that haven't heard about the company before, uh, rather like through interest targeting or um, through lookalike targeting. So lookalike targeting wasn't affected as much because you can base it on your email list. You can base it on um, activity from your website. And the interest targeting, though, did was impacted directly by iOS 14 because essentially what happens is all these people that are opting out, you can no longer track their interests and feed them these ads if they're new to the brand. The good news is if you do have a funnel strategy with a top, middle, bottom, um, there's so many workarounds. So it's been really cool because um, lookalikes is a great feature that I want to mention. From your email list, Facebook can match some of those demographics. And we did see a slight drop off in that, but it's a much more effective way to start building that as because the people who haven't opted out will be in that pool. So that's been really interesting too. But the middle and bottom funnels um, are still very effective. So you can have your Clavio list linked to your Facebook accounts, for example, and have those email newsletter subscribers still receiving ads and still being retargeted. Um, And another cool thing that Facebook introduced is actually the call to action targeting. So this has been a really nice fail safe for us. If you set up a new audience on Facebook, Instagram, you can actually have an audience that has clicked on any call to action in the past year on your ads. So say you had an ad, say you had a great influx of traffic last year, Um, you can then retarget those people that have clicked on those ads in the past year and specifically ads, and you can exclude people who, let's say, have purchased in the last two months. Um, That gives you this, like, all of a sudden, this new pool that kind of overrides the system because those people had previously opted in, and the data is coming from your website, not from the Facebook app. So that way, you can actually have that kind of still maintained. So that's a little bit of a a trade secret, but... Nice, there you (laughs) go. Getting the gold already, and we're only a few minutes in. Take note. Um, Ben, you had mentioned how like advertisers were reacting to these changes, but also you kind of had to be cognizant of how clients were reacting. Um, So on that note, we all know that when Facebook or anything changes drastically, people go to extremes and they start to freak out and they get uncomfortable and they don't like it. So if a client came to you um, in the last few months and asked this question, is Facebook dead or are Facebook ads dead? What would you have responded? I would say no. I would say no. A challenge is always, you know, an opportunity for growth, an opportunity for innovation. And I think this um, is what Facebook, or I guess Apple, forced a lot of brands to consider is, okay, well, we're not, you know, Apple has dimmed the light in the room. Our our target audience is somewhere in the room. And now we it's harder for us to to see them and, and meet them where they are. So can we set up a torch over here? Can we set up a candle light over here to light up, you know, these faces and, and recognize them and then keep meeting them where they are? Because that's what we were, we were doing so effectively. And then, you know, had, had a little bit of a, a dim happen. So I, I don't think Facebook ads are, are dead. Tracking might be a little bit more difficult, but it doesn't mean that there's an opportunity for innovation and, you know, w- will this now mean that brands can look to other platforms to allocate more budget in other places like Josiah was talking about, you know, oh, wow, we, we actually saw good stuff on Google. We actually saw good stuff on Pinterest. How about we, we get behavioral data from our audience and from our followers on social, like organically? Why don't we do polls, surveys? Um, is there like I said, other ways to light the room that now has become a little bit dim. And I think it's pushing people to to look for ways to innovate in the way that they gather that kind of information, that kind of data. Yeah, and I want to dive into that like multi-platform strategy a bit deeper um, because as digital advertisers, we're all comfortable with the idea of a multi-platform approach. But I think ad like ads perspective is a little different and it's kind of like been forced on people who have relied on Facebook ads for so long. So from your perspective, how do you see each platform working together to get the best ROI? Yeah, I think I think you have to be intentional about each platform and, and think about 
what the main goal is for that specific platform. Um, Josiah and I have had to pivot on some of our clients and make Facebook more of a traffic-based uh, campaign that just takes a lot of people to the client's website and allocate then more budget into into Google to actually drive purchases and sales. So it will vary from, from client to clients. Some e-commerce brands will have to pivot in a way that maybe a subscription-based model won't. But what we have seen or what we have tried to test out is moving budgets to platforms that are working more effectively for the bottom line. Um, but then also keeping in mind that the bottom line is not always translated towards or in sales. Mm-hmm. Clicks are important. Traffic is important. And brand awareness is is big. So I think that's probably the best way to to look at how to not see a decrease in conversions on on Facebook, for example, as a 100% negative thing when we can pivot and make it drive other types mm. of results. Yeah. I think to your point too, it's like it's forcing brands to innovate on the community side, like to put, to invest more resources and time and effort into like things like organic social and actually building relationships with their followers instead of just like treating it like a content closet and investing all of their resources in ads, you know, exactly because now your engaged social audience is that much more important and you actually have to have a relationship with your customers if you're going to expect that they're going to convert. So uh, yeah, I think that's really important. Josiah, uh, a lot of the discussion so far has been focused on e-commerce ad strategy, but I think it'd be great to chat a little bit more about brands that aren't necessarily direct to consumer products or things like that. People who want to get traffic to their website and build awareness and that's enough. You know, like what what kind of strategy would you recommend for that? Yeah, the good thing about a company that's uh, more so looking for traffic instead of sales is it comes at a cheaper price point. Um, you don't have to put as many resources into getting your name out there and finding new uh, consumers. And there's so many fun, creative ways you can do that. Um, we have we have had clients like this, and uh, especially on the Facebook, Instagram platform, really cool strategies. Um, focusing on building your email list, for example, is huge for a lot of businesses. And uh, just getting people on that newsletter is a really effective strategy. Another thing worth mentioning is having a boosting strategy. You don't necessarily have to be fully in the ads platform. You can have a boosting strategy for your social media presence and be so intentional. What is what is boosting for our listeners? Yeah, yeah so. so that's basically giving a little amplification to your organic posts on social. So uh, it differs from using an ad platform because your ads will be dark posts, quote unquote dark posts. So what that means is it doesn't show up naturally on your feed They're running in the background and uh, bringing in those new uh, eyes. Whereas if you boost something, it's something that already lives on your page and you give it that amplification. So having that strategy is really important. But you can also, yeah, create a campaign on the back end on Google. Um, Make sure you're searchable. You can kind of bypass your SEO score if you're, you know, paying for a placement on Google ads. And all of those tools can be really effective and won't put too much of a ding on your wallet, depending on what you want to do. So build your email list, get your name out there. Um, there's still ways to have a really effective campaign that's just traffic-based. If you're a podcast host or someone wanting to be interviewed on podcasts as a guest, visit podmatch.com. Podmatch automatically connects ideal podcast guests and hosts together for interviews. We always say it works just like a dating app, but instead of connecting you for dates, it connects you for podcast interviews. Podmatch has connected over 85,000 guests and hosts together for interviews that listeners love, all while saving you countless hours of administrative work through built-in automations. If you're ready to level up your podcast interviews on either side of the mic, start today by visiting podmatch.com. That's awesome. One thing that kind of popped into my head, and I don't know, I'm not the expert in this, so any three of the three of you can correct me, but... I know retargeting was a little bit handicapped from the changes with iOS 14, especially on Facebook. Um, And we talked a little bit about community and kind of that multi-platform view of nurturing your customers. Mitzi, maybe this question is more for you on the email side, but would you say that like, like especially for e-commerce, that email automations on your website are somewhat replacing that like retargeting ad set 
that we were traditionally using in Facebook? Yes. I think definitely, like, it, it, it really depends on the people on the brand. Like, one email might not be enough to convert someone to a purchase, but maybe a series of three or four really well-designed, well-written emails might nurture them to a purchase. And I, you know, I'm a huge fan of email marketing. So the fact that you can go into someone's inbox, address them personally, show them the exact product that you want to get them to complete a purchase about, and maybe even offer them a discount code that's unique to them only, like, that's a pretty big win, in my opinion. So yeah, for anyone who's in e-commerce or has a direct-to-consumer brand who's looking for a workaround from those retargeting campaigns that they used to rely on, on Facebook specifically, they there's so many other platforms that can do that nurturing for you. Yeah, I think that's super important because like traditionally, a lot of ad, a lot of uh, brands would just treat the whole customer journey as an in-app experience in like mm-hmm. Facebook or Instagram, where now like the really successful ones are viewing it more uh, like from any from one specific app across a series of others onto your website and then into email. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. I think a lot of brands also haven't really put a lot of time into designing beautiful email flows, you know, like they're just using the Shopify templates and maybe you're, maybe they're missing out on a lot of revenue that way. Yeah. That is a huge missed opportunity, but also in terms of like ad creative and like more specifically for some of the emerging platforms that we talked about, especially the ad platforms, like the Snapchats, the TikToks, the Pinterest, like ad creative is so important on those platforms. And a lot of people, they don't enter that arena or don't see success there because they're not willing to invest in ad creative. So Absolutely. for either of you, do you guys have any tips for how to kind of tackle those emerging platforms like TikTok, Pinterest, maybe even YouTube, which is video ad creative, which is a whole other beast because it's video. Yeah. But any tips that you guys can offer people who want to enter into those ad platforms? Yeah, in terms of creative? Yeah, well... One of the big things you hear a lot in terms of, you know, brand development is know thyself, right? <laughs> know your brand, understand your brand. And then from there, know thy audience, <laughs> know who you're talking to. I think, I mean, how many times have we shown like a meme or like a video or some kind of post to like mom or dad or even somebody our age, but just different than us. Mm-hmm. And then they look at it and shout out Enoch, my dad, but he, his go-to phrases are, I don't get it. Or that's weird. <laughs> like you'll you'll show him something, you know, spe- especially on TikTok. That's that one just does not register. Have you seen that meme of like someone showing their parent a meme and they're like, "Who is this? Do you know this person who made yeah. this?" <laughs> it's like you're missing it. You exactly. don't get it. And that but that's that's powerful. There's a lesson in that in that creative will register for specific audiences. And it will register even more powerfully for an audience that is being communicated to by a brand that understands them and gets them. It's not Uh, just know thyself, it's know thy audience. 100%, 100%. Rewriting the advertising Bible right now. (laughs) Yeah. So, so it's, so it's a little bit difficult to answer that question in terms of like what creative works best because every audience has its own best creative, its own best message that they love to receive yeah and i want to maybe not counteract that because i agree with you but it's almost like a third tier which is like know thy platform because tiktok is so different like what works on tiktok should feel like it's native to the platform what works on pinterest should feel like it's something that someone wants to save forever and got inspo from and all that stuff so it's so different by platform not just by brand and audience isn't it so fun it's so fun (laughs) it's It's so fun fun to see every platform have its own like personality and be so surprised by some of the trends that come up but that's the the fun and magic of of these social media platforms yeah it's actually like interesting too because within you think as a brand, you might think you have a really good handle on who your audience is and the people who have interacted with your content before. But if you're expanding into, let's say, a platform like Pinterest, all of a sudden, yes, it is a similar audience as to who's interacted with your brand before, but it's a much more niche group of that audience. So because of that, that's why you have to think of that creative so differently. So Pinterest is a great example because you kind of have to get tricky with it it has to just look like a pin it has to be something someone would save anyway um and you don't 
I think with the new platforms, TikTok, Pinterest, Snapchat, you don't want them to feel like ads. You want them to feel organic, comfortable. You want people to be enthralled by it. And uh, yeah, to your point, it's just, it's all about the creative. It's so important. Yeah. You want it, you don't want it to feel like an ad. It has to be more relevant to your brand and your audience. So it's kind of situational, but can we still get into right. examples a little totally. bit? Like mm-hmm. even just give us an example of a brand that you engaged with that you saw a piece of ad creative that you felt was effective. Totally. I, you know what? I'm resonating a lot lately with the long form stuff specifically on Facebook. I don't actually go on Facebook that much. Like you guys are friends of mine on Facebook. My profile picture is like three years old, (laughs) I think. Um, But I do scroll a little bit. And what I've noticed about myself, maybe it's because I work in advertising and I write um, ads, you know, and run them through Josiah. And usually we try to be short and sweet. But I've noticed that a lot of the stuff that's resonating with me is kind of story mode, if that makes any sense. Like, and I don't mean like like the feature story on Instagram or Facebook, but like something that's that has a beginning, obviously a, a good, nice little hook that gets you interested. But then it kind of takes me through a journey of growing interest in whatever the topic is being presented to me. And it's almost a psychological thing where you're like, well, I've already read the the whole caption. I might as well see what this is all about. I remember seeing a presentation by, is it Neil Patel? And he was talking about lead generation and how some of the top performing lead gen ads were actually a little bit demanding of their audience where they would present a question and, you know, captivate the audience but then ask them to not purchase not sign up not necessarily make a hard conversion but more of a softer conversion where they're asking for the follower or the audience to fill out a survey something softer where they're committed 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 they've checked let's say for example it's a fitness app i don't know and they're not asking you for an app install or an app download. They're just asking you to fill out a survey that will tell you what kind of body type you you have and what kind of diet should be tailored to your body type. So this person goes in thinking that they're not really committing much, but they're interested in, in this concept of being educated about their body and about their body type. So they'll fill out a lot of information. And by the end of it, now we're asking for a harder conversion. So people feel com- committed enough and even yeah i don't know like you've already dedicated some energy to this brand so might as well just install the app right. so I, so i've seen longer form stuff like that that's very interesting and lately it's been captivating me something kind of fun that came to mind it's a little different than that and i think it is a little bit more classic advertising but i think no name has done a really good job on tiktok which is kind of funny because oh, yes. Yeah, it's like, you know, they're supposed to be non-branded. They're supposed to be, you know, this, yeah, against branding company. But uh, they have these really tongue-in-cheek and funny advertising campaigns running right now, mainly on TikTok. Um, And it's been really cool because I think they did a really good job. Um, Basically, they have an actor in a setting that's all no-name branded. So nothing has a brand name or association. But the whole concept is kind of making fun of the fact that they're a brand that's not about branding. And I just thought it was funny because you're watching an advertisement for that. So it's like, how does that even work? But I really liked it. I think it kind of goes to Mike's point too. Like right now, it's so important to build your community and engage with the people that are on the ground level, you know? And I think part of that is humor. Part of that is just being tongue in cheek and getting with the times. And I think they did a great job of that. So I always... I always appreciate and uh, respect brands that kind of get to the level of the consumer and it builds trust when you're when you're funny when you have something that's relatable it builds trust and you want to support that brand and um, even if it's a no-name brand <laughs> like I want to go buy those blueberry waffles that have real blueberries in them <laughs> so, <laughs> so I thought that was cool. Love it. Um, I do want to touch on UGC. So user generated content, it's obviously something that can be quite effective in ad creative. Um, and you do need special permission, of course, to run ads from user generated content. 
Josiah, how effective is it? Is it something that everyone should strive to be building up a bank of UGC so they can use it for ad creative? Yeah, I think it like, I guess long answer short is that it is very effective. A lot of UGC content performs better than a designed graphic, uh, depending on the brand. So again, depending on the brand, again, depending on what kind of creative you're getting from your audience. But UGC is very powerful. And something that we've seen kind of as a trend that we've tried to encourage with some of our clients is the stories platform on Instagram is a really great place to put your UGC because people are scrolling through their stories day after day, they spend a lot of time on it. And if they just see someone talking about a product that they love, in a natural setting, it's not it doesn't look like an ad, you're kind of intrigued by what they're saying, maybe it's more in the style of how someone would do a story or a reel or a TikTok. that can be really valuable content. Um, we've seen a lot of high returns from stuff like that. So I think it's worth it. But I think you have to be strategic and intentional, you have to, you know, know who your audience is, kind of figure out what kind of content you need from them. I would say, you know, if you're just using a photo that someone tagged you in and you DM them about it, like, there's no guarantee that's going to work. It has to be thoughtful. It yeah. has to be intentional. And that's why, you know, I know that us at Arcade, we've worked with like influencers to actually pay them to create content specifically for ads. And I know, Ben, you have some thoughts around that too. But I'm just curious, like, what has been your experience with that? How effective is that? I personally feel like I respond to that a lot. Like when I see I think Masterclass just did like a class with Elaine Welteroth, which I follow personally. I follow her. I don't follow Masterclass. And I saw a sponsored post from her of the Masterclass class. So they kind of used her content to create an ad. So Ben, do you have any thoughts around that? It is powerful. Um, some, some of the UGC that we see for some of our clients is out of this world. Um, a few days ago, we were actually laughing about this a few days ago in the office because um, one of our clients, they sell tacos and burritos or tacos and burritos. And <laughs> they they have a strong, loyal following. And we found a video on TikTok of somebody um, getting on a plane in BC and flying to their like kind of like surf location in Tofino and getting tacos and then flying back and it was like there was no way as an agency that we would be able to generate that type of content without spending a bunch of money and paying a pilot and like and somebody who can maybe even model and fly at the same time because that's what this person was doing they were the pilot they flew to Tofino they had tacos and they recorded it all and then that's UGC that we've asked for permission to use and that we will use and and so so there's so much opportunity there for brands to number one just create content to use content and number two reward their their audience create an experience for them where if they're already that big of a fan they're that they're flying to you know a, a spot to to have some food then you got to recognize them. Totally. Know, so. And that's like a once in a lifetime like kind of experience for a brand. Like I don't think the average brand would have that kind of loyal following, but obviously what a amazing like testimony to the brand that they've built. In your opinion, this is just like off the cuff, do you think that kind of content would be as effective if you paid someone to do it? Tough to tell, but I think at the core, yeah, it would be it would be tougher to to sell the the idea because it's not one hundred percent natural. It's not one hundred percent natural. And I feel yeah. like there's something there for brands who, if they just tap into their most loyal, biggest fans, their best customers, I'm sure there's so much gold there mm-hmm. that is way more effective than like your average designed ad asset i think your audience can sell your brand better than you can oh yeah which is crazy to think of like that's where the gold is that's why people are like like this isn't sponsored but you guys have to go eat at this restaurant or you have to try these like waves social merch hey Um, (laughs) let's go (laughs) because yeah it's it's genuine it's for real they've experienced it Mm -hmm. and people trust people more than 
logos and, and, you know, shops. Totally. So we're about to enter the busiest shopping season of the year, Q4, and more specifically, Cyber Weekend. It's a huge shopping season. It's also a huge advertising season. For anyone who's listening who has not spent a single dollar in advertising this year but wants to get into the game for the holidays, what do you think they should do? Josiah, is it too late to advertise if they haven't nurtured any audiences all year? It's not too late to advertise. Um, There is still time to build up that audience. I think start now. (laughs) Start building a funnel system right now. Um, Get people at least into an interest category. So have a traffic campaign running and make sure you can capture the people that have clicked through on those ads. And uh, just get that started right now, I think, is the best advice I could give you. You can do a blitz sale last minute if you've never advertised and put a big budget behind it and run it over Black Friday, Cyber Monday and see what happens. I think you'll you'll have some success. But the reality is the companies that have nurtured their audiences and have put the effort into advertising and learning who will actually convert, they're going to have better luck than you. So Right. So at the very least, get a traffic campaign up ASAP. Yes. And why do you want a traffic campaign up now? It's the lowest hanging fruit. So you can cast as big of a net as you want to. And that will allow Facebook, Google, where whatever platform you're using, even Pinterest to determine who your audience is in the quickest way at the cheapest price. So cast your big nets right now, get those people in the middle funnel. And those are the people that you can then put into your sale. So they're more likely to purchase, at least if you're doing it last minute like that. Worst case scenario that in doing that is that you're learning about your audience that's the worst case scenario because you're identifying strengths in your ad creative and your messaging photography and your offering and you're identifying maybe weaknesses if if there isn't that much of a conversion but the worst case scenario is that you are learning something about your audience and they themselves are giving it to you, telling you mm-hmm. whether they agree or not with whatever you're offering or they are interested or not interested. So yeah, that's a, so well yeah. that's good. Everyone's favorite question. How much should I spend on advertising? So maybe Josiah, we can start with you. Can you break down what a minimum ad spend on each platform or what you would say are the platforms of importance and uh, how to ap- approach budgeting? Yeah, I think It definitely varies on what your goals are and how big of a geographic region you're trying to cover. Um, So I do have a couple rough numbers um, to go off of. If you have very minimal spend um, to work with, I would say focus on that boosting strategy and learn about your audience and start small. Define minimal. So I would say an average boosting strategy for someone just starting off would be boost two to three posts per week at $5 a post, five to $10 a post, um, if you have that budget, and do that for a month and see what that audience is like and learn from that. And that's a very minimal spend. So that's like, yeah, if you're doing that, let's see. I don't know, that's like... <laughs> I'm like, what's Mike that? is the numbers Please. man. <laughs> math, math, math. Around $100 a month. Yeah, yeah around $100 yeah, okay. a month. You, you can, can also do, do you can do a advertising campaign on Facebook for as little as like 250 a month, but that's in the context of just doing traffic, just doing a local campaign. Um, so something really small. But if you're doing a nationwide e-commerce campaign, minimum on Facebook should be 1K a month at minimum in order to reach that audience and build a funnel. Even that is actually pretty small nowadays. I would say a healthier starting point would be 2K a month if that's within your budget. Google can be a bit cheaper, again, depending on what you're targeting. So I put down for Google a minimum of 750 a month for a simple campaign, but the ideal for Google would also be around 2K a month. Um, that way you can actually cast a big enough net, make sure that you're where your ad shows up on Google is the first page is above your competitors. That's actually so important. And you don't know how much your competitors are spending. And that's kind of the fun thing about Google is if your competitors are on Google and they're bidding for the same keywords as you, you actually do have to have room in your budget to make sure that you show up ahead of them. Yeah, so Google's interesting. It's a bit of a learning, a bit of a learning curve. TikTok actually has a minimum spend that you have to comply with in order to be on the platform, which is $500 um, for your first campaign. So that's a barrier to entry for a lot of brands. And 
if you're going to go for TikTok, I would say be aggressive and make sure you have great content and just go for it. Pinterest, you can play around with um, at a lower spend. But in talking to the Pinterest reps, especially if you're an e-commerce brand, they recommend that you for sure have at least $1,000 for the month on Pinterest. They actually recommend that you start with $3,000 a month on Pinterest and if you're trying to get conversions and traffic. So yeah, so a lot to think about there. A lot of different uh, requirements for different platforms. Awesome. Ben, maybe just to add a little bit of color to those small budgets, Josiah talked a little bit about your entry-level boosting budget, but say a brand has up to $1,500 that they're willing to spend in a, in a given month. Where would you allocate those funds? Ad optimization begins before hitting publish, for sure, like before publishing an ad. So I go back to the know thyself and know thy audience kind of thing. The better you are clear, the more clear you are on your message and your offering and who you want to talk to, the more optimized that 1500 is is going to be and the further you're going to stretch your your ad budget. Yeah, I think I think boosting is great. It's a, it's a nice way to to get feedback from uh, like light feedback from your audience and even just get people more engaged. And then if if you have found traction or some kind of heat on a specific platform, um, if you don't have that big of a budget, I would try and test out that platform and push some dollars into that platform. I was speaking to a friend who is planning on launching a tech, like a fintech startup in November, and they have been, you know, trying to hype up their brand. And it's actually an app that's supposed to compete with Wealth Simple and apps like this. So it's kind of fun. But anyway, he uh, got 1,800 um, like signups uh, just through TikTok. And this was in a matter of like five months. So in, in talking with him, he's like, yeah, I don't know where to where to put kind of this budget because there has been a lot of uh, funds that have been raised and, you know, investors are getting involved. So he's like, where do I put my money? I'm like, well, where have you already seen success? And you got to study that. You have to study your past. Yeah to be able to look forward with more confidence. So I would look at that 1500 and look at, you know, what I'm collecting and nurturing so that the 1500 can actually be optimal. Just add fuel to a fire that's already burning. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And then Josiah on the other end of the spectrum, we've only really talked about like entry level budgets so far, but what about for a brand that already is generating a lot of revenue and they want to scale that and now they're thinking about adding paid media to their marketing mix say they have 25 grand or more already in the budget fire. yeah there's a fire burning where how do they yeah. add fuel with that kind of budget yeah it's actually not too different from what ben said i think it's really important to have the data to back that decision up i would recommend not doing a rapid scale if you don't have that data because you're not going to see those returns if you just throw a bunch of money into a platform that's not how it works you want to see where those returns are happening and scale that way. And you also want to scale in on a timeline that works for your business. So if they were spending 1500 a month, I would say it would be stupid to jump to 25000 a month, even if they had good returns on 1500 because that's not how it works. So I think if you have that healthy budget and you've seen those results, spread it out across a bunch of platforms. If there's a platform that you haven't explored, that's your opportunity to put a lot of money in that top funnel and learn from that new audience. And I think part of the way you have to think about it is a big chunk of your money is always going to be experimenting. It's always going to be discovery. It's always going to be, you know, new audiences. And that's how every brand should think. There should always be a big chunk that's allocated towards learning more and getting new people in the mix that maybe have never heard of your brand before. And then, of course, you want to have a healthy balance to make sure you're still getting a return on uh, what you're investing into your ads. So wherever you're seeing that conversion, that's a that's a, another place to put a big chunk of that. So I think just off the top of my head, if you're starting from scratch, it's a little different. But for a company that's already established, I would say you want to have like 30% um, on your top funnel, depending on how things are going, maybe like 40 to 50% in the middle funnel if you're getting good returns. And then your retargeting should, it will be negligible depending on how many people are in that pool, right? So and all the platforms won't spend on retargeting unless that pool exists. So you can, you know, save a guaranteed 30% of your budget for retargeting. But um, if you start to see huge returns there, you can move things around. So it's all kind of based on how things are going. 
Love it. So many good tips in here. Um, we're nearing the end of our time together, but before we let you go, we want to play a fun little game. And full disclosure, we've never played a game on this show before, so I'm very excited about this. The game is Office Etiquette 101, and I'm I'm hoping I learned something from you guys. So this will be a rapid-fire game. So whatever comes to your mind, just go ahead and answer it, either one of you, and both of you need to answer each question. Whew. Ready? So wait, is it like yes, no, or do we expand? Yeah, you can expand, but like quick answers. Okay. First thing that comes to your head. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, ready? Okay. Let's go. Do you have to follow your coworkers on social media? No. No, if you don't want to get to know your coworkers <laughs> in the way they'd like to present themselves on, on social. I think it can be, yeah, depending on where your boundaries are at. I follow everyone at Arcade on social media because I love them, but you, you got to feel it out. You got to feel, feel it out. out. Yeah. Some people might not be comfortable with that. Like if their profile is private, they don't post a lot. Like, I don't know. Maybe you don't, you don't need to get on there quick. Okay. Is it okay to unfollow a coworker on social media? I want to say no, because like, I don't know what's happening behind just, the scenes. Just be ready to have the conversation. <laughs> yeah, be ready to have the conversation. Like if you unfollowed me, Josiah, <laughs> I think I would, I would like call you up. Yeah, I'd that's good. Like, Listen, man, that's I healthy. know, I know you're here? interested in me. Yeah, like, if you're going to do it, my... be prepared. <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> Is yeah. it appropriate to eat on Zoom calls? With your camera off. Right, probably with your camera off, or if it's like a Zoom call that is more casual. Let's say like maybe Josiah and I are having like a te- like an internal meeting, and I don't know, it's we haven't eaten. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if Josiah was, unless he was like talking and eating, and it was like, yeah. you know, like <laughs> don't want that. What's the most go-to Zoom appropriate meal if you're gonna eat on a call? <laughs> I don't know, a soft piece, piece of bread. bread. <laughs> <laughs> Water. Sourdough specifically. <laughs> Something that you don't eat, like use your hands to eat it. Like you, because you're usually also maybe taking notes or typing, clicking uh, away. Yeah, so if you're like that. eating the bread with your hands, then uh, you, you're going to get your computer all. I think it's also, <laughs> it's also the etiquette should be, I'm so sorry I haven't eaten lunch, so I'm going to turn my camera off. And then when your time comes to speak, you unmute and you're not chewing. (laughs) Totally. That's my ideal. Yeah. Okay. This one's fun. Does your boss always pick up the check? (laughs) In my case, yes. (laughs) Wow. Because you're a paid poppy. (laughs) Yes. I think it shouldn't be expected, though. I actually don't know. I actually don't know what this means. I'm sorry. Like, if you're out for dinner or something, does your boss pick up the check? Yeah. Like, te invito. Right, like yeah, in, okay, but like it's not imp- like it's not discussed. It's, ooh, I let's I don't think so. Like, like if there was like a situation where the waiter comes up and they're like one bill or two, and then you said two, I wouldn't be offended. Like I wouldn't expect you to. You know? I w- I wouldn't either, and that's just because that's how I I don't like to receive like stuff from people. Cool, we don't have to pick up the check anymore. <laughs> Great, sounds good. <laughs> awesome. Uh, signing off early on a Friday. Would you do it? Have you done it? Do you do it? Yes. Except Friday is one of my busiest days. So <laughs> I always have the intention to maybe do it. Yeah, I feel like you're usually working late on Friday. <laughs> I work till like real, 637. And, yeah. you wanna... and then you join late on Monday maybe. <laughs> yeah. If you want to have a stressful like weekend, I feel like signing out late or signing off early is a good idea. Like I don't like finishing the week without like checking the boxes yes. or at least like, you know, pinging somebody and being like, hey, is this good for from Monday Same. instead of like right now because I'll be like thinking about it. You kind of have to yeah. earn your weekend a little bit. I yeah. think. Is it appropriate to take work snacks home? Okay, yeah. I have a story. <laughs> <laughs> I When I was, I graduated at 17 from high school and I, through networking, I landed a job uh, downtown at Suncor and it was an office job and it was my first office, my first like full-time job in that regard and I didn't know it the answer to this question <laughs> i didn't know the answer to that question they gave me like a bunch of like office supplies like material like scissors and like paper clips and all this kind of stuff to use and i didn't end up really using any of it but at the end i took it all <laughs> i took it all home and i don't know if i was supposed to do that or not but i did and 
That's I company think, property. Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just expose yourself. Come get me, Suncor. I feel like with food, it's different, though, because it's like, I think it's weird to, like, I'm not going to go take the granola bars and put it in my backpack before I leave. Like, it's kind of for this space and time of the office. So I think it's weird if people do that, unless they're in danger. You're, you know? you're <laughs> starving. You're a model employee, Josiah. And then, on the other hand. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> I was 17. I was yeah. young and wild. You've learned a lot since then. Our last question, which we ask every single guest on this podcast, and uh, you guys can take turns answering, or maybe you're just on a one-track mind at this point because you work so much together. Who's making waves right now and why? You know what? I I had a couple. One of them was No Name. I really like what they're doing right now. Um, one that we've mentioned in a work context before is actually Manscaped, <laughs> which literally makes <laughs> razors for manscaping. And they had a really cool ad campaign where they would take the razor to like a balloon or like a kiwi and just kind of like that tongue in cheek play. And it's, it's funny because I kind of for a while thought, am I the only one getting these ads and why? Oh, <laughs> like I've seen, I've seen those ads. Yeah. And then I started telling my friends about how I get these funny ads all the time and they're like, oh, me too. Like, and it just became, I think they, they did a good job of creating a discussion because it's not really like, I don't know, like you're not just going to talk to people about that subject all the time. But because of this ad, people are talking about it. And I think it actually they've done really well. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, I don't know if they're making waves, but just something that stuck out to me. I would have to go with Breda. They're a watch company. <laughs> and you know what? Are they your company I, I, secretly? Is this your family in Panama? I know. Like, I was going to say, like, you have some deep connection yeah. with Breda. Guys, I don't know what happened. Like, I'm not a watch person. That's the crazy part. I'm not a watch person, but they have they have raised me to be a watch guy somehow raise you so, because it's your dad's no. company <laughs> <laughs> no like for real breda 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 studio they're based in, in dallas texas they're um, immigrant founded and they have super diverse team and they have beautiful product so i wish i had a more classy answer now nice no, those are good answers okay last and final cl- question where can listeners connect with you you can connect with me primarily on instagram josiah.sinanin and then you can explore everything else i do from there Nice. You can find me on, I think Instagram is probably the, the go-to for me, Ben Velasque, B-E-N-V-E-L-A-Z or Z-Q. That's what it would be. <laughs> there you go. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. This was fun. We'll have to do it again. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thanks. This is great. This episode of Wave Social Podcast is powered by Arcade Studios. Show notes for this episode and other episodes can be found at wavesocialpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you've got questions, comments, or suggestions for future shows, hit us up at wavesocial on Instagram. Thanks for joining us.